So some reflections on energy and Dhamma practice. Quite a crucial term, pivotal term. Energy. Because it... uh, Because of the, the, the view, or the context, or the field in which we live, get programmed, get conditioned, our energies get structured into achievement, performance, getting things done, arriving on time, Keeping up with the rest, if possible, getting more done in less time. <laughs> and if you can get more done in less time, that's that's better than if you take longer and don't get much done. Mm, stress. is uh, the worldly conditioning, the condition of the world, yeah. partly because we tend, we live in large social units and this means a lot of the uh, structuring is quite abstract, 10 o'clock, what's, what's a 10 o'clock? Can I talk to a 10 o'clock? I can't see a 10 o'clock, no, there's a 10 o'clock, a 10 o'clock is actually very, very important. You can't see it, you can't talk to it, you can't negotiate. <laughs> it's very important and we can hold that. And as for a group, for a large structural, uh, large society, it operates according to these abstract principles. And a lot of our lives are held in that, in that way, time. Um, to, but then there's nothing, there's no real feeling in 10 o'clock. <laughs> uh, there's no relationship to it. And these uh, abstractions, which are, you know, are indeed useful and valid in their way for large organization, they have a huge power to them. You know, if you turn up at the airport 10 seconds late, <laughs> you don't go, you know, <laughs> you, don't, you don't travel. That's it, and that's, you know, because there's people waiting and there's 500 people on this and this. So, so yeah, there it is. But when we actually find ourselves governed, rushing, held back by an abstract, yeah, it's very it's very dissociative to our to our sense, to our emotional sense, to our feeling sense. Because actually, organically, that that isn't there isn't such a thing as Friday or ten o'clock or things just 
have a, they have their own order, their own law. But plants don't say, "Hey, it's you know, birds don't. Hey, it's six o'clock. Get chirping, you know." <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, it's March twenty-third. Start blossoming. Yeah. You know, they're blossoming over in Kansas. You've got to blossom over in Massachusetts to keep up with it. <laughs> Just, uh, but they're, they're certainly operating according to a law, <laughs> an order, an order of nature. And yeah, you know, there's also, we're also that, aren't we? At a certain level, we're also nat- natural beings, organic beings who, who don't find themselves fully awake at 5.30. They sort of start to get there, half awake. Sometimes you wake up at three, sometimes you're half awake at five, sometimes you're fully awake at seven, sometimes it's like that, isn't it? Mm. So the sense in which your your energy, you know, when it's not being propelled by, you know, pushed by abstracts, starts to reveal itself as actually something that's much more uh, conditioned by nature than society and abstractions. Mm. And this is to do with um, control and the issues around control and control in meditation. There's mm. naturally, you know, We have ideas about meditation and it can be spelled out quite clearly, but that's all abstract, true, and yet, you know, helpful, and yet, you know, how, how, do, how does that, what causes your energy to rise, sustain, steady, be feeling pleasant, like a natural, joyful, calm and steady arising rather than the rush or a hold or a grip or a make it work how can you even do such a thing as mindfulness of breathing without controlling your breathing you find that you know without after a while begin to recognize there's something always there that's trying to control it trying to make it work trying to achieve something with it trying to make sure you get it right don't drift off and and that eventually becomes as much a hindrance as the rest of the stuff. In fact, you know, a very powerful hindrance because it, it prevents a natural flowering of joy and ease. They will cope with the doubt and the worry and the dullness and the agitation that starts to move through. That starts to clear it by itself. <coughs> It's important, I find it very important to acknowledge, you know, like in the Buddha teaching that the the main influence of the what we call the world, and I don't want to make too much of a sin thing out of that, was really sen- sensuality, which is pulling kind of, you know, I mean the relationship to... Uh, food and uh, things like this, sense sense contact, because people living out in nature with animals and jungles and growing their food and, you know, yeah, there's warring tribes going on, 
Uh, there's no such thing as the IR or the, you know, <laughs> the security systems. And there's no such real thing as, as, the, tu- as the clock and the time. Now, you know, now, by and large, we are much less with the organic world. I think it's something like, I don't know what, 50%, 60%, 70% at least. Maybe even more live in cities, you know, you know, townships and cities, and that expected to increase. Um, so, really, our, our main sense of the world is of uh, work and the kind of ethos that goes around that efficiency, effectiveness, be ready to go at eight, you know, and there's no. Less than peak performance is not really tolerated. You know, you can get there, be at peak, sustain that, you know, stay steady with it, and then at a certain time you switch off and clonk, collapse. <laughs> or getting to the next thing, which is the subway or the bus or the plane, whatever it is, it's the traffic, and the, which again operates according to stop, go, electric. Now's the time to go, now's the time to stop. Yeah, yeah. Stop, go. Rush, stop. You know, <laughs> <laughs> hurry up and wait. You know, you rush somewhere, then you wait for three hours because, and then rush to the next thing. Stop, go, stop, go. That's not. That's nothing organic about that. It certainly has a uh, effective for the the nation state and the society, but there's a cost for the human being. Is that their approach to doing anything and to seeing themselves tends to be affected by that? Mm. You hurry up and relax. <laughs> Calm down quickly. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Get you know and then. So you know, it's, it sounds ridiculous when you begin to verbalize it, and yet one could be operating in that way. Why don't I calm down? Well, you've got to calm down by being calm about your agitation. Acknowledge the tension. Be with that, breathing into it, letting it take its time to, to unfold. This is calm. And there's a faith in that, because it means... I don't feel great, actually. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not feeling really clear and sharp and bright. And maybe I'm wasting my time being here. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Just take your time to breathe through the wreckage. <laughs> <laughs> the car crash of life. Yeah. It's this, uh, you know, the price is it, uh, we pay for our you know, our clean comforts, our long lives, our medical support, our relative degree of of security from creatures and so forth that is that, you know, there's a price you pay on in terms of your, your nervous system. And if you're really into the, anything where, um, you know, money is concerned, then that there's a huge price because it's really important to get things done quick, effectively, faster. And that all that is going to, where does that come from? 
comes from your, your nervous system, doesn't it? It's got to ramp up to get that level. Uh, it doesn't always know how to turn off because nobody's, you know, all the emphasis is in, in ramping the speed up, getting there. There's no real, you know, they say, well, just now relax. But how do you do that, you know? It doesn't know always how to switch off because that's not uh, that's not a reflex. You see, the, the reflex is activate, activate. That's that's the jump. Yeah. There isn't a reflex that says deactivate because that that even if you say the word like relax, relax, that's not relaxing, is it? <laughs> that's activating again, right? It's another kick, isn't it? Relax, relax, meditate, calm down, be peaceful. That is another activation. Whatever word you use around it is still the same charge running into the into the nervous system. And well, we, we kind of have the, the belief, or not the belief, but the basic programming that, that, that activation is the way of energy. If you want energy, activate get going. That's what it means, isn't it? Yeah. It means kick in. Uh, no. <laughs> that's the shortcut, that's the worldly way of directing energy, of grabbing it and directing it, that's the world. That's the way the world does that. It, it doesn't generate energy. It just directs it. Energy is, is there. It's there already. It's breathing you. Uh, it's sensing what's going on around. It's reporting to your heart and your mind and your body what's happening. That's like, that's energy happening. It's helping you to think. It's, it's producing all this uh, experience is energized. Always so dynamic, isn't it? Unfolding. You feel the just the movement of vitality through your limbs or through your face or under your skin. That, there's energy. Activation is another thing. Activation is the the movement to point that energy. And before you point it, you go recognize and understand what is the signal around that activation, what's the understand, what's the reflex around that activation. Yeah. And is it, is that the wisest, is that really what's required? Is that really skillful? Is it beautiful? Is it enriching? Is it endowed with joy? Is it endowed with uh, an up natural uprising? Is it connected to the heart? Mm. I don't know, you know. It's what it means to me. And the possibility that one might be able to, to find that movement into activity, the movement into directiveness, the movement into focus, the movement into 
well let's tune into this from a place that wasn't that same you know worldly kick in with its flutter of don't get it wrong background sense of there's a right and a wrong here and you don't get it wrong this might not work if you don't hold it tight Mm. you don't push with it this kind of thing in somewhere in the back that breeds what the figure that we probably all know so well the inner tyrant the inner tyrant is the um the kind of the voice or the mood that goes along with that activation. And if you, you probably know you're in a tyrant, you may not have named it yet. It's, it's generally quite good. At, it's not great on congratulations. <laughs> it's quite good on imperatives and on punishment. <laughs> yeah. And, and on judgments. And so if we're always running oh, from the, f- the shadow of the inner tyrant, then this can never be joyful or calm or wholesome. In fact, mm. there's no faith in it. There's no interesting openness to what's what's potential here. There's always that this is what you've got to do, get it done. You know, if you didn't, wrong, failure, blame. Could we you know, unhook that and really acknowledge to what extent that is relevant for you? Because hmm. it often has got good, it can express itself in quite good reasons. You know, you've got so many days to get this through this and you've, you know, you've sacrificed a good amount of your time to get here, to get some good results, so let's get on with it, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, this is, uh, you know, just taking a faith to say, what would it be like to step out of the world? Step out of the world, just to freshen up, step out of the world of that. And your body will help you, actually. This is the beauty of it, because sometimes your ordinary intelligence, your ordinary conditioned mind just doesn't quite know how to do that. I'd like to relax, but whenever I think of relaxing, there's another activation. It only knows those, those messages. So you have to kind of come into your body, find out where in your body it feels like it's happening involuntarily. Involuntarily. Mm. A lot of things happen involuntarily and uh, they're not always that uh, wonderful. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, quite a lot of life, like getting sick, getting tired, uh, waking up in the morning with a headache. Uh, that's all involuntary, isn't it? So we can uh, you know, feel a considerable amount of mistrust about letting things just be involuntary and that's, that's reasonable. But is there a positive just tuning into faith, to the refuge, to the Dhamma, to the beautiful, so there could be something beautiful for me 
and that I could listen to, could sense into. And it comes to the place where I'm awake, I'm conscious, I'm listening, I'm attentive, I'm not doing. Apart from I am definitely fully attending. There is sati, there is mindfulness, but I'm not doing that much. And it's associated with uh, intimacy, rather than an abstract relationship with meditation or with breathing or with your body or with your mind. When I say abstract, I mean you're referring to certain, you know, laudable virtues, be moral, be kind, be peaceful. But actually, where it's coming from right now is an idea. It's abstract. The relationship of being kind is different from I've got to be kind. So I should be, we, we kind of make these uh, experiences, direct experiences into ideologies. Meditation into a system and an ideology. Now if we come back to more of the, like a familial one-to-one relationship, and this is the time when we have that opportunity to do it, I can imagine you you know, sometimes it's said, imagine you're sitting on your own under a tree, warm day, pleasant, nobody's on your case, there's nothing particular to do. You know, how would that be? Being with yourself without an image, without an end plan, an end game. Being with yourself without that. And you know, I mean, sometimes that could be very frightening. You know, solitude, alone. But here we are really consciously cultivating the qualities of faith in the triple gem, awareness, with its uh, empathic quality, empathic resonance. I feel that. You know, I notice that intentionality, whether the mind is actually rising, opening or floundering, and there's a sense of um, conscience and care and concern about that, but not interfering. It's like being your own grandparent. Having a bit of a difficult day today? Okay, she'll, she'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, I was like that, you know. <laughs> and yet, conscience and connected to, to the process rather than to end results. Can I be with myself in that very immediate, honest, caring way? So when the world, in this quote marks, whatever that, you know, what I'm using here is the phrase the world, world ends, 
It doesn't mean everything ends. It just means the world, it's only the world that ends. <laughs> but if we've taken the world to be our cradle, our womb, our home, then it, of course it can be very difficult. Why are we shifting to Buddha Dhamma Sangha as our parent, our guide, our home? So just in that saying, as long as it takes, as long as it takes, that's fine. As long as it takes, just let yourself enter into that. Give yourself time to settle into the present and into a relationship that really has no um, end, end product required. And instead of, so well, if we're losing control, we're not really losing control, we're changing control to custodianship, like to caring, to wise parenting, rather, so it's a different kind of law and order. It's connected, it's not abstract, it's not institutional, it's not, mm, it's not operating in terms of day one, day two, day three, Thursday, June, it's 10 o'clock, it's operating in terms of, hey, you know, they're feeling some difficult stuff here. Now, whatever time of day it is, you're feeling some difficult things here. What's needed? What do you need? Space, out breath, feeling your body, finding a center, moving around, taking it easy. Or it could be something rather different. It could be, you know, you're really flying, energy's good, let's just really enjoy that. So it doesn't have to be always uh, 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 subduing, but it's really connecting to what's um, for your welfare. What's for your welfare? The Buddha teaches for your welfare you know, all that's really he's asking is to stop suffering. Stop. Understand the origins, the sources of suffering, and unplug that. And it doesn't come around through the normal activations that we may know full well, which is, you know, the red light, green light experience. It comes around through a softening allowing something to enter in, a vitality, an energy <coughs> to enter and you know, fulfill us, to extend into us. Energy is quite a crucial, yeah, because the whole issue is around energy and effort and mindfulness and control is mindfulness holding everything with a rigid frame of reference. Mm, be mindful, it means get up tight. <laughs> get obsessive. <laughs> uh, is that what it's about? <laughs> I don't think so. The, but the way that, you know, faith, energy, mindfulness, yeah, yes, uh, connect, connected. Mindful, the ability to bear something in mind. It could be something very, very large, like, you know, feeling tired, 
simple as that, rather than the particular, it could be very subtle, like the ending of an out-breath or the incremental shifts of attention, subtle, wide, but what is appropriate base for your mindfulness? What's the appropriate way of placing it? There's a, you know, using, just to get back to something more specific, using uh, mindfulness of breathing or being mindful of one's breathing process. So so to start to sense that as a a process rather than some thing or even a breath. It's a process uh, that has a whole range of ramifications to it. There's certainly the tissues are involved, energy is involved, air is involved, attitude is involved, uh, energy is involved, um, focusing is involved. It's a holistic experience, mindfulness of breathing. It's not just a plug in, switch on, get on with it thing. And sometimes it's about really allowing some of these um, important conditions to gather and the mindfulness of breathing sits at the center of that while these supportive conditions such as faith, um, joy, uh, interest, uh, enthusiasm, um, posture, uh, relaxing, you know, the whole bit as they start to, uh, you know, giving them time to, to gather around that. You have that, that main theme and, uh, you know, the beauty of it is that breathing happens. It is involuntary. So <coughs> sometimes one would always recognize the best thing to do is just forget about it. <laughs> so you won't kind of get that kind of intense trying to make it work sense because it's going to happen anyway. I've never seen anybody find themselves, you know, they're breathing, they stop breathing because they haven't been mindful of it. (laughs) Heedless people still breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you just want to note what allows that to come to the fore, what allows that to present itself. Well, you know, <coughs> tuning into your body. <coughs> Certainly breathing is something that bodies do. Tuning into your body. And then you, you can get ideas about how you should sit, how long you should sit, and bright posture and, and so forth. But really the important thing is to feel your way into your own body and start to examine, you know, and get attentive to places that perhaps you've never really <coughs> given that much attention to. Because of activation. When we're activated, it's really hands, face, uh, are the ones that really charge up. Particularly the face, the forehead, associated with effort, mm, comes up to head. Maybe you get a slight uh, tightening up in the chest or the belly which means, you know, ready to go. Mm. And the back, just kind of somewhere behind me. <laughs> mm. So you get areas of your body that are 
overacted, overacted to the place of them always being sore. They just uh, so much energy passing through them, and they're, they're they're kind of worn. And other parts of your body are just like nobody's been there for the last five years. <laughs> so, so, so dusty. You know, you know, you really got one. I mean, no, in theory that you got a back, you've never really felt it, apart from when it hurt. So he said, and that's the way to to unplug the activations is you go to the places that aren't activated, give them a bit more attention, and the other ones the plugs fall out because it's like if you're looking at circuitry and you keep running energy down the same circuits, there isn't an energy you can run down that circuit that's going to switch it off so you can imagine like electrical wiring and you plug it in and you've got that particular circuit there's no energy that you can run down that cable that's going to switch it off, is there? Because <laughs> even if you're saying, calm down, relax, it's still going to be the same. <laughs> it's still going to run around that circuit. So how do you unplug? It doesn't know how to unplug. You go to a place in your body that's deactivated and you start to get interested in it. You know, And so that interest enthusiasm that what's happening there there's energy that's your meant that's your mind's contribution to the whole paradigm and so we can you know we can activate in a different way mm, that helps this unplugging of the overstressed and it brings us into balance when the body is in balance, it starts to f- find its own order, its own wholeness. And within that, then there's something settles in terms of nervous energy, in terms of vitality. There's, it gets a bit wobbly at first as it tries to find itself. And it, ah, oh, oh yeah, you really feel you've landed on the planet and it's holding you, it's holding you, it's supporting you rather than you're holding it. So when I'm holding my practice, it probably means putting energy down those same old circuits, psychological circuits, that have become me, me the doer, chased by the inner tyrant. Yeah, me the doer. So what is the familiarity, the familiar patterns of our psychology, which actually have a body reference, are what is commonly experienced as me. What we're familiar with. And you probably know him or her very well. have probably lamented over him or her sometimes. But it's really just a pattern, psychological pattern, an emotional pattern, and it's programmed by context. Now, coming out of that, very difficult for the mind to come out of it alone, so we come into, you know, the body, 
changing how we sense and hold our bodies. Looking towards the ending of an out breath, for example. Deepening down right to the lower gut, down through the pelvic floor. Coming into the lower back and the muscles and between the shoulder blades, behind the throat. Mm. Really coming away from the face, the forehead, the diaphragm. And leave the diaphragm for a while. Because this is this area is the one that clenches most uh, constantly with effort and with the activation of that which is called power, willpower, power to do. And the tightening there. And it affects the whole body. So we really spend some time sensing, you know, how do the shoulders rotate rather than how do they bear weight? What's the shoulder blades and the underarms and the sides of your body? How's that? You're coming to your hands. What's the palm of the hand rather than those fingers, the, the twiddly, pokey, touch screen, button pushing fingers? <laughs> could, you know, could they just be like big mitts, soft mitts like f- grapefruit on the end of your wrists? <laughs> what you really felt was the soft, pulpy tissues of that. Mm. Coming that you feel them. So some energy starts to shift. These areas light up. Yeah. A hand. Spend time exploring a hand. Hand, which is probably one of the real, you know, defining characteristics of the human. We have the this hand, the posable thumb and finger. You can do this, and the dexterity. Very few creatures or anything like this. Um, and with all that ability to activate and twiddle and tweak and poke and prod and push buttons, and so, we lose this bit, which is just the ability to receive. Yeah. I feel that coming to this aspect of the hand rather than that, the back, the softness of the hand. Oh, well, yeah, there's that, isn't there? The bulb of the thumb base. Mm. What it's like when you feel how there's that residual grip still there. And if I put more attention to the softness and receptivity of the hand by itself, that last piece of holding on can dissolve. And that sends signals through the system. Now, though I've talked about you know whole body and 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 all that, really, it's uh, I think just like to add the word holistic because it means that really uh, you know 
any one part can signal the whole of it and it will affect the whole of it for good or for bad so you know if you if your forehead is tightened up that's going to affect your guts you know because the signal carries a signal hey this is time to you know focus power up activate so even if you've got a tight forehead that's going to affect what's happening down in the viscera because it's all interconnected same as if you have a loose open forehead that's going to have an effect and so what we're you know what we can practice with is just turning to particular pieces and say what would we like to just work around my eyes and let the eye eyeball float in the socket rather than be something that's held what an incredible focusing organ the eye is we do with that does it ever really widen and soften wide-eyed soften both around the eye and even the lens itself is it ever just the infinite focus what would that be like and how would that affect what kind of mood comes up with that signaling isn't it you send a signal and the body responds and the psychology responds to it and often the the signaling that we're looking at is just uh, soften widen because all the activations of the world are about tightening sharpening contracting and first perhaps we just feel very dizzy and fuzzy so then breathing out breathing in breathing out coming into your back just working around to bring the whole body around that So that, you know, and you can take particular aspects, forehead, hands, eyes, coming into your back, again, because the back is often really neglected, most of the time we're sitting in chairs, sitting back on couches, sitting in the driver's seat of the car, back is just basically switched off, and it's... So you're coming into that, not to say tighten up, push, but just be aware we have a back. And how much of it do you really notice? Probably the tops of the shoulders, because they're the weight carriers. Mm, Maybe it's pain pain in the lower back, lumbar region perhaps, stiff there. Rest of it, gone. (laughs) Or not much, a blank sheet. And what happens if you say, well, you know, there's a spine and there's a space between one shoulder blade and the next the opposite between the left and right shoulder blade what happens if I just yeah it's true isn't it yeah other people have it so I must have it what's there you bring awareness there oh interesting yeah it starts to find its natural form 
and the body has a natural form in it, whereby the, the spine is the pillar. It's not straight and it's not rigid, it's, it's, it's serpentine. It's very connected and remains the central axis. And uh, because it is so, tends to be neglected by worldly forces, because it's all face and forward, isn't it? We come back into that. How does the spine, how do you respect your spine? What it's, its natural curvature, its pliability, and the fact its articulations. That is, your lower back, back can move in. You know, it doesn't, it can move in towards your belly. It's between your shoulders can move in towards your heart. It can flex in that way. It's not just an up-down system. How would that be, how is that? Does the body set itself in a different way? You know? How is the, look at the work pattern, you know, by and large. Particularly, you know, in our mental work, what is it? It's hunched. It's over the screen, it's over the desk, it's over the gadget, it's over the... It's like that. That's its, you know. And the working person is carrying weight on their back. It's hunched over. Dealing with things that the eyes are focused on the, on the project and the body is kind of hunched over it like a vulture, you know, <laughs> kind of looking at this thing. <laughs> and you look around and you say, gee, actually, quite a lot of people like that, don't they? Yeah. So, if, but no matter if, a lot of people like it, it's still not, it's not natural. It's not the body's, you know, it's the body's thrown into that position. By the eyes, where they're peering forward. Mm. By the hands, where they're reaching forward. So everything is pulled like that. What would it be like if we come back? And we're so recognized as you begin to even just kind of gently cultivate that, that mudra, the coming back, the opening. Oh, something like the weight is dropping off. And the chest opens, and you get this uh, muscles associated very much with uh, embracing, blissful, buoyant, in the chest start to wake up. And you feel, hey, this this is the natural body, and it's not chaotic. It has its own order. And it's not in one particular place, it's how all of those forms and regions bond together. And the breath body is the central government, you might say. It begins to move in. When you've established the right uh, basis, the breath body starts to move in and manifest itself. Finally got a place to be. energetically, right energy, it's got a place to be. And that place to be has been 
you know, restricted by our effort. Our effort has actually shut out our energy, our natural energy, and the proper basis for our natural energy, which is in this breathing body rather than this pushy mind. Uh, that's that's the the shift that uh, I recommend. It may take quite a while, and it. Uh, but the beauty of it is, if you get even one bit right, like just getting your hand to feel, that signal runs through the whole system, and the other bits will. Oh, that's interesting. The shoulder dropped. <laughs> when I relaxed my forehead, the shoulder dropped because it, it picked up the message. Yeah. Holistic. And the mind changed as well. The mind was less fretful, less high-wired, less agitated, less complaining, just because this cause and effect running through a connected system of body-mind. And you just start to un- find a place that you can unplug and the other bits get the message and they start to follow through. And what I find personally is that as the, in that process what comes through is there's the breathing. There it is. Nice big relieved out breath. An easy full, refreshing in-breath. And it's uh, not, it uh, has <coughs> beauty in it. So one is attracted to it. And so the process of sati, bearing it in mind, something that's really enjoyable, interesting to bear in mind, and then the happiness that comes from that acts as the that which moves the mind to samadhi because the mind is attracted to happiness.